0: That's indeed.com slash bluewire sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash bluewire sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, a couple things to talk to you about. First, draft.com. If you like playing daily fantasy sports and you haven't tried out draft.com, you really should. They do snake style drafts just the way you like it. You don't have to worry about ownership, none of that good stuff. Tons and tons of fun. You get paid out the next day if you so choose. They also have auction style drafts. They have best ball drafts that are some of the best in the industry. They do hockey, basketball, football, golf, and baseball. It's tons and tons of fun. It's draft.com. Draft in your app store. And if you are new to draft, use promo code SDSports, SD Sports. SD is in dog sports. And you'll get an entry to a free $3 tournament of your choice. It could be a best ball, an auction, a snake style, whatever you prefer. Free $3 tournament of your choice. Using promo code SD Sports. Also, if you want to get some better info, better tools, optimizers, Vegas tools, all that great stuff, plus a member Discord chat for this MLB DFS season, go to thequantedge.com. I'm a contributor over there, and I really enjoy the products they are putting out there. The Vegas tool I use a lot to show line movements throughout the day, the lineup optimizer, and X stats tool, and much, much more coming out that way. The member Discord chat is always popping off. You get the MLB DFS season package. For one twenty four ninety nine, you get the all-sports first month, so you get the NBA playoffs and baseball for nineteen ninety nine, or a five-day all-sports trial for $5 using promo code Bubba. So I go check that out over at quantedge.com promo code Bubba with what you need for your DFS needs. Lastly, if you give a rating and review on iTunes, I'd much, much appreciate it. It would help us move up the rankings of the podcast world and it would mean a ton to me. With all that being said, welcome to Bench with Bubba episode 169 with our buddy, Max Freeze talking about home runs per barrel, park factors, and so, so much more. to another episode of Bench with Bubba episode 169 gonna talk some fantasy baseball with a good friend of ours who has been on the show before and you can find his work at or you can find his work at freestats.com at fantasy pros at pitcherless.com he's on twitter at freeze stats
2: max freeze welcome back to bench with Bubba how you doing I'm doing good Bubba thanks for having me back on glad to be here ready to talk some baseball with you yeah, most definitely. I, I really, really enjoy your work. Um,
1: I, I, I seriously do. Like, the content's really, really good. I like what you're doing for your other uh, sites as well, but uh, your, your free stat sites uh, has a lot of good stuff on that. So why don't you kind of let everybody know what you got going on these days?
2: Yeah, so I, I try to write a weekly uh, starting pitching streaming article that's 25% owned and under. I uh, keep those stats uh, on those streamers every week. Um, I try to get um, like a weekly rundown. Uh, that's usually been a, a bi-monthly at this point um, but then I also uh, just try to throw in some stat cast data some some random articles I've uh, did a home run park factors using barrels uh, recently so I just try to anything that comes to mind player profiles whatever I just try to keep those keep those flowing keep the content coming on the on the site so appreciate the kind words no no problem when I see something I like I, I like to uh Shout it out when I can, and uh, we will talk about
1: your your home run ballpark factor deal here pretty soon. It's going it. to be pretty interesting. The, the recent episodes I've had, I've had different uh, guests on that with their different stats they've been developing. It's pretty cool to see all these growing trends that we can utilize Statcast and other really cool data is to kind of fine tune things or maybe try to find an edge elsewhere. So it's fun to open up the discussions for this, especially in a world of baseball where the home run becomes so and more, so much more prevalent. Than it once was, so you really need to find those hot spots where you can. So we'll dig into that in a second. But before we do so, for once, we don't have a ton of injuries to talk about. I don't I, I probably jinxed it. We're gonna finish recording <laughs> and like four guys are hitting the IL. But like for once, I don't have one injury to talk about here anymore. Uh, Delano DeShields Jr. option to AAA. We got three things to talk about with the Rangers. We'll start with the Shields here. Goes yeah. to AAA. A. lot of people liked him for late rounds, feels upside. Even stole a bag the day he got. Demoted. Um, What's your thoughts on DeShields? If you're a DeShields owner, what do you do with him?
2: Yeah, I've I've been a DeShields guy and a fan of DeShields for a while now. He just hasn't really panned out. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of disappointing to see him back in AAA A again. Um, but I mean, he's actually looked decent as far as like his plate discipline. He's got a career high walk rate. Uh, his K percentage is down. His contact is up. I think he's stolen eight bases already. He just can't seem to keep the average up. He can't be consistent. Um, There's no power there. So, you know, he's kind of a a speed grab in deep leagues. Um, I think if you're in a shallow league, you just got to let him go. There's just nothing you can do. He's got he's kind of an AL only or 15 team and deeper just a stash on the bench. If you need speed, it's kind of my thoughts on him. I wish he would turn into something more, but he just hasn't hasn't gotten there. Yeah, it seems every off season when we're all
1: doing our, our draft prep, like the, the line of the Shields is in probably 80% or more of write-ups about late-round steals targets because we all see the potential there. It just hasn't happened yet. Uh, Malik Smith got demoted a week ago or so. Both those guys, Malik's actually playing pretty well already in AAA in the week he's been down there. I, I see him coming up eventually, like sooner than later, I'd imagine. Never know. Would you rather hold on to Malik Smith or the line of the Shields if you had to pick just one?
2: Yeah, I'd rather hold on to Malik Smith. Um, I think he's got a better path to playing time. I think he'll be up sooner, um, and I think he's he's just been a little bit more consistent than the Shields. Not that he's been great, but last year was uh, was pretty good for Malik. And I think I think he's got a little bit more stolen base upside. I think he can, um, you know, he could. He touched that 40 mark not this year because of the way he's been he started and the way he's sent down but I just like his his upside for speed so I'd grab him over to Shields if you're stashing speed um and he's available on your wire. Okay. I like that quite a bit with the Shields leaving town. Hunter Pence,
1: yes the Hunter Pence who signed a minor league contract in the spring to try to make the club he made the club and now he's starting every day. He's at 344 on the year coming into today's action. He already went deep tonight against Wade Miley, a two-run home run, as we record on Thursday. He's playing really, really well. Like I don't know if it's a renaissance with playing with all the youth or what it is, but how fantasy relevant right now is 100 pence for you? Like, What, what kind of leagues would you need to look to be in to look at adding 100 pence?
2: I, I think right now you've got to add him in 12-team and deeper, but I think it's short-term for those shallower leagues while he's hot. But he's worth a shot uh, for 15-team and, and deeper because he's, he's playing every day. Uh, I looked at his metrics. He's got a 13% barrel rate and his expected batting average is actually 359. So it's better than his current average. Uh, I don't think that can hold up. Those those are a lot better numbers than what he's shown over the last several years. But I mean, take him while he's hot, um, you know, even in the shallow leagues, because, um, you know, he can fill a hole that for someone who might be, uh, you know, slumping right now, just grab him for a couple of weeks while he's hitting uh, before he slows down. So, You know, I don't. I don't like him long term. I don't think he's going to keep it up. But you know, he's. You got to pick up these guys while they're hot and and take their stats while they're giving giving them to you. So,
1: yeah, I totally agree. Like, I'm going to play the the yin and the yang of this one as a Giants fan who's watched him for many years and appreciates everything he did for the Giants. He was always so injury prone. He'd have his hot streaks. He'd play well. He'd get hurt. He'd never really be the same. So far this year, he's hot. He hasn't gotten hurt. He hasn't played every day either. So now he's playing every day. We'll keep an eye on that. Um, being in Texas will help him a lot. The, the, it'll elevate the offense. But like you said, I, I don't see him sustaining this long term. I think he's a great buy now. Ride it while you can. I completely agree with everything you said. Uh, it's fun to watch Hunter Pence get going because he he's a wild one out there. But um, <laughs> he's kind yeah, of jittery, isn't he? <laughs> he's extremely jittery. Yeah, I, I, he's a special breed. Special yeah. breed that man. But uh, it'll be it'll be curious to see how long he keeps us going for. It. If he goes all year, it'd be. One of those feel-good stories, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm with you. I'm ready for the other shoe to drop. And uh, at the same time, if Delano starts playing well in the minors, I'm pretty sure they want him to play every day over 100 pits anyways. So yeah. he'd probably get his chance again as well. So, right. yeah, ride him while you can. Go pick him up. Uh, give him a little fab bid over the weekend and see mm-hmm. what happens. Yeah. Uh, the last piece of Texas news here, Ronald Guzman got activated from the IL. Big-time power bat was really starting to swing it well right before he got hurt. It might take time to get back. Who knows? What's your thoughts on Ronald Guzman? Because he does have the power. Just we haven't seen any consistency yet.
2: Right. And that's kind of what concerns me. Um, he's typically not the kind of player that I like to go after in fantasy just because he's kind of a free swinger, lots of Ks, low walks. Um, feels like he goes into a lot of slumps, but then he gets extremely hot. Um, I think he had he's had a couple of multi-homer games, and he has some weeks where he hits three or four homers, um, but I think that there's lulls in between there that you just want to pull your hair out. So, I mean, I don't know how long it'll take to get that power back coming off the IL. So I'm, I don't know if I'm rushing to grab him unless you're really needing power. Um, and if you, can, if you can grab him when he goes on those hot streaks, that's the time to own him. Otherwise, I think he's, he's kind of a, a deep league add, uh, a power add. I'm just not a huge fan of his, but I'm interested to see what he can do coming off the IL. Yeah, I think he's kind of like like you said, a deep league, maybe a streamer type guy.
1: I think if you see that, you know, it's almost like playing the Coors effect. If you see them having, you know, two series in a week in Texas, you, you kind of look at that kind of stuff and realize the the upside in that matchup. But I haven't seen him put it together yet either. And that's that's the troubling part. And the, and the overall numbers don't point to big time stuff from him. But hey, if you're if you're struggling mm-hmm. for power and you need a boost, go give him a chance, I guess. Yeah. Um it's been Prospect Palooza the last few weeks all over the Fab market, and I'm not going to get into the argument that many are having about you know did you blow your money on Fab? Were you stupid? Were you smart? Everyone's got their Fabs opinions, and that's great. Um, I, I have mine. Others have theirs. That's the point of the game. But what I do want to ask you is Carter Keyboom was one of the big boys, and so is Nate Low. And Nate Low just came up like mm-hmm. and got Fab bid this last week, and now they're both down. These guys are really good prospects. The fact they got sent down to me should not say that they're bad ball players. They're really good prospects and the time is not theirs at the moment. If you own those two guys, how are you treating them? Because if you drop them, it might be as expensive to get them back again and you might not have the money. So do you try to hold them or what are you doing with those two prospects?
2: I think if you spent that fab though, I mean, some of those bids were pretty crazy, uh, two, three, $400 in some cases, I think you probably got to hold them for a couple of weeks because I think if you just let them go um, the next time they get called up, you're just not going to have the money to get them. Um, So I I think you've got to hold them in deeper leagues. Um, I just think, I think Kibum just doesn't seem ready to me. Um, I know he had those couple of big games with home runs, but he just seems um, his strikeout rate is just extremely high. I just don't know if he's, if he's ready. And once Turner's back, um, I think that, that Dozier a guy who, who can heat up in the second half. He's a second half type of guy. So I don't know if there's, if they're going to bring him up to play him just a couple days a week. Um, there'd have to be some injuries, uh, on that infield for Keboom to get called back up and Nate Lowe, um, you know, I'm surprised they sent him down. I, I, I kind of like him. I liked his, uh, he hadn't homered or anything, but his stat cast numbers look pretty good. He's, he's clearly a big guy that can, that can swing the bat and take a walk. Um, but I guess they like G-Man Choi over there at first base in DH. Um, but I do think I do think Lowe gets another chance. Um, so I'd say hold hold him for sure for a couple of weeks. Hopefully he gets called back up. But, um, yeah, just kind of disappointed it got sent down so quickly. Yeah, it was very, very
1: disappointing because the hype is real. These guys are very, very talented. And I think in yeah. time we are going to see them be very good ball players. just might not be this year now. Uh, I agree with you, Nate Lowe, I think comes up. Rather soon, maybe not like in the next couple weeks, weeks, maybe in a month or so. He, he's going to have a spot in our roster. It's a matter of G-Man Choi going into a slump, and then mm-hmm. we, we finish things there. Because he should be playing every day over Choi. It's just, I guess, no options. This is how the Rays do things. This is why they keep the farm systems they do. So that right. that, that was just a process of the situation. But Lowe's a very good ball player. I would do everything in my power if you bought Lowe to hang on to Lowe. As long as you got roster spots for him, hold him. Keep him if you have okay. to. Keyboom, like you said, when Turner comes back, it just shrinks playing time even more. Defoe's always going to be a super utility guy in the way. As long as Brian Mm -hmm. Dozier's semi-hitting like he is now, there's really no word for KeyBone right now. I was kind of surprised when they brought him up earlier. Um, He's the one that we might see later in the year as kind of a helper, where I think when Mm -hmm. Lowe comes up again, it might be uh, an actual role. So that's kind of where I, I see it as well. So we're kind of on the same page there. Yeah. All right, last piece of news. I put it on the outline last night, and then news came out today. Max Freed, who got hit in the hand um, by a line drive in his last game, through a side session today. He felt fine. It's just a bruise. He's scheduled to go on Sunday. Just for fun, what have your thoughts been on what we've seen from Max Fried so far this year?
2: Yeah, I kind of like him. He looks kind of like uh, he his control looks real good. He's got a 67% first pitch strike rate. And he's added a slider this year. He's only throwing it about ten percent of the time, but um, you know, I think that's a a nice add for him. Maybe try and boost some of his strikeout rates. Um, but yeah, he's a he's kind of a uh, you know he's not going to strike out ten guys in an outing. But I think he's got really good control. Um, definitely value valuable in mixed leagues. Um, I kind of I, I kind of like him going forward. He gets ground balls. Uh, you know, just not not super exciting, but a guy that you're going to want on your roster because he's not going to kill your ratios. Uh, he's going to help you out. So I, I kind of like him going forward. Yeah, I've,
1: I've really enjoyed having Freed on my roster in uh, TGFBI. It was nice. disappointing when he got hit around this last start and, and left early. But if it's right. one every, like, four starts, I'll take it from that guy. Because, like you said, his ratio, his ratios are great. And he, he doesn't really get the strikeouts you'd hope for. He's done it occasionally. Like, he's more of a kind of pitch-to-contact location type guy. As you're saying, so far you said the development of that slider could help with that big time. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how that works. But I think this kid's super talented. Uh, it's him and Soroka are, are going to be really, really good for that team. And they still have so many other weapons: Bryce Johnson, Kyle Wright, uh, Gohara. There's a lot going on you're there in that out. farm system. <laughs> so uh, I, I was worried at first the way they were running through guys. Like after one bad start, they take a guy out and bring another guy up. But I think it feels like Soroka and Freed they have a little more wiggle room. With their spot in the in the rotation for now, so that's pretty good. Yeah. All Definitely. right. Let's talk about your new little stat metric that you have developed that really has my attention, and I want you to help uh, make a, a, a kind of dummy like myself understand it even more. As i I keep learning more and more about the Statcast world and everything, but when new things like this come out, I need a little more uh, guidance on how they work just to make sure I'm not missing something. You used home run or yeah, home run park factors using StatCast barrels, like home runs per barrel rate. First off, for those wondering, and I'll let you get into the whole thing here, but first off, explain to people like what, for that, that might not know, like what an actual barrel is, why a barrel's good, and how like home run to barrel rate works before we get into the park factors of it.
2: Sure. Yeah, I mean, the barrel statistic is basically the best metric that we have that correlates with power and home runs. is developed in 2015 and it's kind of a sliding scale. It's based on exit velocity and launch angle. Um, and kind of the, the, it's at least 95 miles per hour at, uh, like an ideal launch angle. Um, don't know the exact launch angle off It's in the twenties, but as you hit the ball harder at higher exit velocities, that launch angle kind of expands. So it's kind of a sliding scale. And, um, the results of a barrel are at least a 500 batting average and i think a 1500 slug so it's extremely valuable extra you know extra base hits home runs um i think they averaged out in 2016 at like over an 800 batting average and over a 2.6 slugging percentage so it's like i mean it's basically averages out between a double and a triple so yeah a barrel is basically a ball that that you that as a hitter you want to you want to hit and as a pitcher you want to avoid they're, they're basically ideal hit balls okay so uh
1: when you're looking at the home run to barrel rate what do you how, how do you come across
2: getting that stat and why does that stand out to you obviously for this yeah when I this offseason I started looking at some players that um like I just took the average from 2018 home uh home runs per barrel so I I just pulled data then the total number of barrels um, for the entire league, um, and then I pulled data that were the total number of barrels and the total number of number of home runs, um, and just came up with home runs per barrel. Um, and so, what what I was doing is trying to look for over like overperformers and underperformers based on that average statistic. But I kind of I kind of decided to expand it a little bit and said that, you know the sample might not be big enough, so I just took all the data from 2015. To two thousand eighteen um, and then the the data that I pulled I don't want to get too technical but basically total barrels uh home runs and barrels together and then non barreled home runs because they're all kind of factored in there um, and then I ran some z scores for each park uh, for each season and then compiled the data I factored in the non barreled home runs um, and then kind of came up with a formula for these park factors so I it's it's kind of something that I, I was starting starting to look at and saying, you know, some of these players are hitting um their their home run per barrel rate is basically one. And when I the data that I found, the the average home run per barrel is 57%. That's the league average since 2015. So uh, you know, anybody who's who's well above that is kind of outperforming uh their home run per barrel rate. So that's when I started thinking. Well, maybe the parks got something to do with it. So that's kind of what started this kind of whole research thing that I was starting to do. Um, So it's pretty general. It doesn't take into account weather or like batted ball direction or handedness. So it's just kind of in general, how many how many home runs are allowed per barrel in each ballpark. So that's kind of the general idea of it. If that's starting to make sense, I don't know if that's. Oh yeah, no, it it makes makes a ton of sense to me. Like
1: when you look at the article, I'll, I'll link the article in the podcast notes for people to go look at. And um, it's like you said, like 57% of home runs per barrel is usually kind of how it works out, the 57%. Uh, you showed numbers for the last four, two uh, 2015 through 18. For those that don't know, StatCast started in 2015. So right. that's as far back as we can go with data. But, you know, you got the juice ball year in 17, where it was almost 62%, and it just jumps off the page. And the rest of them, 56, 57, 54, basically. Um, kind of more so we're more in line this year already you mentioned we're up 55 percent so you're seeing that similar home run to fly ball um home run for barrel when you made these part factors you said you did them for the last three years combined is that what this these numbers are when I look at the part factor grid Or four years combined
2: yeah sorry I think you may have cut out there but what I what I was doing is I was trying to find these outliers and some players that might out who may have outperformed who their home run per barrel rate and might regress this year or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when I had these park factors, I was, um, I was really surprised to come up with, uh, like, for example, great American ballpark in Cincinnati. I think everybody knows that, um, Cincinnati is a good place to hit, but the data that I came up with tells me that it's the best park for home runs in major league baseball. It led. It had the highest home run per barrel rate in three out of the four years, and the second most non-barreled home runs that I call like cheap home runs. Um, uh, second most of, of of any ballpark. Yeah. So in total, it was two point two standard deviations above the mean. So just to kind of give you an idea of what that means, Yankee Stadium was the second best park for home runs per barrels, and that was only about one point five standard deviations above the mean. And Colorado was third. So, I mean, it kind of passes the eye test when you see Cincinnati, New York, and Colorado as those ballparks that are the top three. But it really was surprising to see Great American Ballpark as high as it was. Um, And so what that kind of can do for fantasy, like when I was doing this research, I was seeing guys like Jose Peraza, Scooter Jeanette. These guys were overperforming their home run per barrel rate. But when I did this data, I kind of started looking at it and say, maybe it's legit because they play half their games and Great American Ballpark, where their rates are extremely high, so you know you can kind of take that into account um, when you're kind of analyzing some players. And for me, it's kind of a concern for like Joey Votto, for instance. If he can't hit home runs in his current environment, it's you know it's kind of telling me where can he hit home runs? Is he kind of towards the end of the road here? You know, so that's kind of a concern going forward for him. You know, yeah, yeah that, that that's a that's a good point when
1: you when you look at it that way. There's a lot to like in that regard, you mentioned cheap homers and you got it in your article there. I don't want to create work for you, but <laughs> do you, do you have like a, a spreadsheet somewhere that we could look like what stadiums have the most cheap homers? Because, you know, everyone's ranting and raving about Nick Senzel right now. He had the two home run game against the giants the other day. And, you know, you either love Nick Senzel and you're just happy for him, or you have the curmudgeons of the world that said, Oh, these are cheap, great American small park home runs. Um, so you, that would be an interesting factor as well yeah. for like guys that play DFS and everything. It's like, okay, they're going into this ballpark, you know, cheap home runs are even
2: like stronger here, tough stuff like that. Well, yeah, that's huge. Yeah. You know about DFS. And so, yeah, for instance, like I, I have the spread, I do have a huge spreadsheet with a bunch of data on it and, and like in Cincinnati is the second highest uh, uh cheap. It allows the second most cheap home runs for instance, but for the, the, park that does allow the most cheap home runs was Minute Maid Park in Houston. Um, it, overall, the it Crawford kind of – Crawford
1: boxes. Yeah.
2: yeah, those Crawford boxes. Those are only about 315 down the line and 362 in left center. Yeah. And so when you're looking at guys like Alex Bregman last year, he had 30 homers, but his average home run distance was only 384 feet. Okay. So you're kind of like, well, how is he doing that? Well, it's the Crawford boxes. He's pulling 33% of his fly balls and getting these cheap home runs. Um, so that's why, you know, you can say, well, maybe he'll regress based on those stat cast numbers. That's what someone, you know, who's just looking at the numbers might say, Hey, yeah, he's going to regress because his barrel rate didn't match his home run rate. And he's not hitting the ball that hard, but he's doing a great job of pulling the ball down the line and getting those cheap home runs. And a guy like Jose Altuve is doing the same thing. It's interesting when he was healthy, he was able to hit 20 plus homers in Houston. And he's kind of looking like the same guy this year, especially with the ball being whatever the properties are of the ball this year. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Altuve back over the 20 home run mark this year either. So yeah, you know, for DFS, you know, right-handed pull hitters are, are the guys you want. If that's, you know, something you're looking into.
1: Yeah. See so stuff like that, or say you want to be contrarian, and there's a good pitcher on the mound, but it's in a ballpark where cheap home runs happen when well, right. I kind of play against them and try to get different that way. Like there's, there's ways to analyze it, but, Going back to like season long, when you mentioned that about these these ballparks like, you know, Houston with the cheap seats, you know, Cincinnati rates where it does. We know New York, the Yankees, you know, the 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 the, the short porch and right, all that kind of stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Having numbers like this can be really helpful, especially like in the offseason when guys change teams, when you want right. to make an argument for like, you know, hey, I'm gonna take this guy 30 picks earlier or something just per se. And people always go, You're crazy. Now you can point to stuff like this that we never really had before and be like, well, this leads to this to this, and he could easily get like another 10 home runs this year or something, and that elevates him so much farther up in the in the rankings or whatever. So it, it's really interesting to have stuff like this instead of just the normal. He barrels up a ball because if we're just looking at his barrel rates on the on the stat cast uh, sheet like we like to do, it's in a vacuum because it doesn't specify where he hit him at or what ballparks he's in, who he faced, so on and so forth. Just, he has this many barrels. That's all we know. Um right. yeah so so this does give a lot of interesting aspects to it and I know like you said cuz you you have all your graphs and everything and, and your spreadsheets what other ways do you plan on using this cuz you mentioned you know you looked in the Cincinnati you've obviously looked at other guys but where do you plan on taking this stat forward
2: Yeah I think it it it's pretty general right now so it'd be it'd be great to look at like handedness or where the balls are hit you know left center right uh, and kind of break it down even further. I know that the sample sizes get much smaller when you're talking about the n- number of barrels hit to each field. So I don't know how those are going to correlate, but it is something that the more data we have, uh, the more those numbers might make a little bit of sense. So maybe after, it, it might be in 2019 or, you know, after the uh, uh, after this 2019 season, start looking into those kind of numbers. Um, you know, weather is always a factor. Um, so that could play a role as well. But, you know, definitely want to look into um, kind of directional hitting is probably the next step because, um, you know, that'll help, that'll help for season long. It'll help for, for DFS. And like you're saying for uh, uh, when guys change teams, like when Yelich switched, I think we all knew he was going from a bad park to a good park, but I don't think anybody saw that type of jump (laughs) and now he's hitting more fly balls. So yeah, I mean, it's just something to to play around with that, uh, you know, StatCast gives off so much good information and data that, um, you know, there's no reason not to not to use it. So, yeah, it's just just a start, and then we'll go from here, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting when you look at it
1: because you mentioned the ones up top, you know, the top ten makes sense. Cincinnati, Yankees, Rockies, Orioles, White Sox, Astros, Brewers. Mets kind of stands out a little bit there. Today. Mets- you think City Park's not crazy. And San Diego's not like, um, so that, that goes to show you some things when you go to the flip side on the bottom, yeah. you know, like Boston's 23rd and all you think about the masters they have there um, St. Louis 27th really stands out to me. Mm-hmm. What, what are some of the takeaways when you put this together that kind of stood out like, wow, this is, you know, Goldie went from Arizona, which is 21st for the Humidor, mm-hmm. all the way to 27th in St. Louis. And all you heard when he got traded was better ballpark.
2: Right. Yeah, I I think with uh, so Arizona, that's just the one year of the humidor data. I didn't include the three previous years before the humidor. So that there might be some variance in Arizona. So his might end up being a pretty neutral move. Um, But yeah, San Diego. So Petco in San Diego was really surprising. I I wasn't as surprised with Citi Field in New York because they did move the walls in prior to the 2015 season. So uh, obviously that's that's helped. Uh, their home run. I didn't expect their home run rate to be this high, but San Diego, I, you know, I've always looked at them. I've been writing streaming articles for a couple of years. And a lot of times it's a bonus if a pitcher's, you know, going in San Diego, I think overall, it's a pretty neutral park, in, including like singles, doubles, triples, but it's, you know, it's, it shows here that it's above average in terms of uh, home run rate. So that one, that one really surprised me. Um, and, and Boston being as low as it was surprised me, but um, looking more at Boston, um, Boston really kind of inflates Babbitt because it's got some interesting deep dimensions in center and right center, but it's also got the Green Monster and left, so you get a lot of cheap doubles there. Um, but it is difficult to hit the ball out in center and in right center at Boston. So I, I kind of can see it once I once I got the data, I could kind of understand where it came from and it, where it makes sense. You know, yeah, no. so. Those are kind of some ones. I, I know you know San Francisco is the the worst oh, park unless your name is Barry Bond. So <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I get tilted there. Like I tweeted it
2: many times. I tweeted it recently. I've seen I it.
1: Think, I saw that. I think Brandon, Brandon Bell felt. is a great, great hitter. <laughs> like I really do think he's a good ball player and can hit. Yeah. Like I, I think he's got you know thirty plus on run power in a real ballpark. Yeah. He really does. And sure. people think I'm crazy, but it's just like I watched the one that that uh, Darren Williams from Baseball Savant tweeted out, and I quote tweeted it. He hit that thing to the corner of the corner in Triples Alley, where it's 421. <laughs> right. It's like, that's a home run, I think, in 29 other ballparks. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was it, 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 crazy. That's,
2: a play to play. <laughs> Yeah, like you said, unless your name yeah. Barry Bonds. For hitters, for sure, I, yeah. It but It just doesn't work. I think, yeah. So, um, no, and especially for lefties, that's another, that's another aspect. I don't think it's as bad for righties and you know this no, yeah, it's uh, better than I for do, For sure, but I, I think it's worse for lefties. And yeah. And, and so that, you know, if I start going to the next step, that that's the data that'll come out. And I think some of these look pretty, if you look at other uh home run park factors, they're somewhat similar, but I think every, everyone is different. I know, you know, did one uh that used X stats, I drive rate, which was uh, Andrew Perpetua's, who's now with the Mets. Um, kind of his, inf- his his high drive rate is kind of like barrels, um, but I think they're they're hit more frequently. So and, and even our you know comparing ours, they're a little bit different. So you know they're all they're all different, but I think using barrels, I think, is the best metric to use for home runs. So it makes sense to me to use barrels uh, at, for park factors.
1: Yeah, because in the end, you know, we do like line drives, and I, I like the, the work they did over there. I'm not going to dismay that at all. Oh, no. But, but when we're playing the fantasy game, we want long balls. That's yeah. pretty simple. We want yeah. home runs. So, right. however, the best way to get to the home run is, which for now what we see is barrels. That makes sense. This makes a lot of sense what you have going here. So, it's cool to see. I, I want, I'm want. i looking forward to seeing where it keeps going, what you do with the next, just even like the simple updates, whenever you update even it's the end of the year when you update it, just to see how – Maybe you know, maybe a couple ballparks switched around or something, um, right? Because all things oh, yeah. can change, especially with this lively baseball. It'll be yes. really interesting to see what happens it, here.
2: Yeah, things are going to be different after this year. I think we might see these career highs everywhere, even worse than we are worse or better, depending on how you look at it, than 2017.
1: Yeah, then it'll get really fun because you know they'll do just what they did last year, or in seven or whatever, in 18. Yeah, last year, <laughs> and they'll screw the ball up again. And then, then we'll get back to pitching, which is fine. But it's like you've you, you've trained your brain again to start, you know, planning differently when you're playing the game. And now it's gonna be the, the whole flip side of things all over again. So, yeah, that'll it be makes quite it hard. Larry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People think what we do is, it, and it, it is we do it for fun because we love doing it. But right. I think it's easy. And um, yeah, yeah you know, <laughs> trying to figure this game out is. I try to explain to people baseball is the hardest game to predict that I could. Think yeah, of. So. for sure. Yep. Uh, all right. Any final thoughts on this or do we want to move on? Because I I can sit here and talk to you about it all day long. It's very intriguing, but I don't know how many other uh, factors you have here without going specifically ballpark by ballpark.
2: Right. Yeah. No, I just encourage people to check it out. Let me know if you have any suggestions. I'm open to to looking at expanding it, you know, any way that I can. So this is just kind of a general way to get the information out there and kind of move forward from there. So. Yes, everybody, go check it out again. I'll, I'll tweet out the link, and I'll, I'll try to
1: remember it. If I don't, I'll put, add it later to put it in the show notes for everyone to uh, have easy access to it. It's uh, really cool stuff that Max is working on there, so go check that out. Let's get into some players that have either been you know, really hot, really cold. Their names come up a lot in the industry. Just kind of people are curious on what to do with them. And we'll kick it off with Colin McHugh, who has been in quite the rough spot. He's been a three year runs or more and four straight starts. He started out the year outstanding, and it's just been a disaster after disaster after disaster. What are you doing with Colin McHugh right now?
2: Oh, yeah. See, I, I was high on McHugh coming into the season because I know that the Astros do a great job with their pitching staff. So I was excited about him. Grabbed him in a few spots. Uh, he was looking good. His K rates jumped up. He increased his slider usage. Um, so everything was looking, looking good. Um, but, man, he just he just kind of falls apart. His home run rate's right around two right now. Um, I don't know. I'm concerned they could move him back to the pen just because they have other options. Um, Forrest Whitley's sitting in the minors. I don't know if he's quite ready yet. But uh, Peacock's been well. He had a dominant start last night, but um, you know they've got other options. So I'm concerned he could go back to the bullpen and be a long man. But you know all of his swing metrics look good. Um, over at Pitcher List, they have uh, d- developed the called strikes plus swinging strike uh, rate, and I. Th- he's got 31.2%, which is well above average. So I th- he's got solid stuff and that's largely due to the slider, but I just don't know, you know, if he can curb the home runs. And that's the concern right now. Well, and
1: you just mentioned that Houston's one of the top park factors in home runs per barrel rate. So the cheap, the cheap ones. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, if he's, if he's off by any amount, those balls are going to fly and trouble will ensue. So. All right. So the, makes, the metrics even... won't be. Yeah, something to keep in mind there, because I was, I was big on him also. Like, you were going into the year. I have him in a couple spots as well, and uh, I love the early start, and it's been quite disappointing. And I'm at the point, are you thinking it's just time to to cut bait with him, or do you keep him in 15-teamers? What are you doing with him?
2: Yeah, I'm going to hold on to him for now. I mean, it it really has just been a couple of bad starts. I'm not, I'm not going to jump ship yet, I think, okay. depending on – Depending on matchups, and I know it didn't matter because it was uh the Royals last time. Um, but I'm not gonna cut bait yet. Um if they demote if they put him in the pen, then yes. Um, but I'm gonna wait and see what the decision is on that. Okie doke. Uh
1: let's go to the Giants here. Mac Williamson got the call a couple days ago, proceeded to go deep in Colorado. We know Max has got crazy power in his last minor league game, he hit three home runs. He's always had power. He was off to a good start last year before he got hurt. Never bounced back. Um, I know I've heard a lot of chatter, 15-team leagues. I know all these go run out and get them. Five outfield leagues go get them. I kind of agree with that. What's your thoughts on uh, Mac Williamson right now?
2: I agree with uh, NL only and 15-team leagues uh, just as a flyer. Overall, I'm, I'm not really buying it. The homer, you know, it's – getting a homer in Coors right away and kind of inflates your value a little bit. It's kind of like when the rookies get called up and hit a home run, everyone runs the runs to the waiver wire and throws their fab at them. I don't think he's going to max, not going to get huge, uh, you know, fab bids or anything like that. But um, if you can add him for cheap in a deep league, I would. Um, but what I was looking at is it. And I want to get your thoughts on this Tyler Austin. Is he playing a little bit of outfield now? Or is he someone that, that looks like he might get some playing time? Or is that's, the, cool? that's the weird part. When they first got him up, he played first base because he hadn't gotten
1: the outfield prep. So mm-hmm. they've been built in the outfield, and they're going to work him into the outfield. Now he's playing the outfield, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, so Austin is getting some outfield. I believe he played first today when he hit two home runs. But he is going to play some outfield, yes. So that, that's why it's kind of interesting. They've been calling up Gerber. He went back, back down, I believe. They called it mm-hmm. Mac Williamson. They do have Tyler Austin though to play the outfield and play first base to spell Belt from time to time. The playing time just—I don't know how consistent it'll be, but I know where you're yeah. going with this. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, they're both kind of kind of all or nothing power, so it really just depends on how the playing time shakes out. That's that's kind of the the whoever seems to get the most playing time is the one that I'd go after. But I just I I don't see it right now. I don't see which one. I don't I don't know if Austin can can man the outfield full time though so you know Williamson might be the ad. Yeah,
1: I think Williamson's the guy that'll get most of the playing time unless something weird happens. Maybe they'll yeah. find a way to get them both out there, but I think they're going to want to put Mac there for now. That's my yeah. guess. All right, let's go to a guy that we've been high on many times. He's let us down many times, but Lucas Giglio, he's doing it again. Max, he started out the year rough. His last three starts they're pretty darn good. Five Ks or more in all three appearances. <laughs> His last two have been really good. He dominated the Indians in Cleveland his last time out. Seven and a third, three hits, no earn, eight strikeouts. He has a 406 ERA with a 367 XFIP right now. Things are looking good for Lucas Giolito. What's your thoughts on him? Because he's probably available in a lot of leagues
2: right now. Right. Yeah, he looks pretty good. I, I think his slider's solid. solid. Um, it looks like he might have something with his changeup. It's got an 18% swinging strike rate and a 38% K rate on it. Um, and he's increased the usage on it and he's ditched that sinker which sinkers are just terrible especially especially his so that's a good thing um he's still struggling with walks um and you know home runs i think are gonna be an issue with him too but you know he's definitely a guy that i would grab for the back end of your rotation he's he looks like he's kind of improving those k numbers um the metrics look pretty good on him so i I've, I've never been a big fan but you know kind of kind of looking at what he's done so far, it kind of has me somewhat believing. So there's no reason to not take a shot on him. He's looking pretty good.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. Giolito's a guy I've gambled on from time to time in years past, and i jump back on that train right now if you can find a way to get him. Let's talk about another guy that's been, a, you know, on the fantasy radar for a few years now, Jake Odorizzi. He seems to be figuring it out right now. Uh Two run runs or less and four straight starts back-to-back. Uh, no one runs, 13 innings, no one runs combined in his last two at the Yankees and at home against Houston. 15 Ks over those 13 innings pitched. Been looking really good, but does not have a 4.49 XFIP to go with his 2.78 ERA. What's your thoughts on Jay Cotorizzi right
2: now? Yeah, he's kind of had a similar pitch mix to the past. He's added a little bit more on his curveball and, and fewer cutters, but he's increased his swing and strike rate by about 2.5%. And it's mostly because of his fastball, which is surprising because people are going away from the fastball because um, they get hit hard. And and he's actually got pretty incredible 14.3 swing strike rate, which is kind of what you're seeing from breaking pitches from most pitchers. So that's that's pretty impressive. Um, but what kind of on the negative side, his curveball is actually pretty bad um, and he is an extreme fly ball pitcher. So a four point nine percent. Home run per fly ball rate is probably not going to last in, uh, given the current conditions. So while I like the fact that his fastball, which is his main pitch, is getting swings and misses, I just think the home run rate is going to regress quite a bit given, you know, summer months coming and the fact that he gives up nearly 50% fly ball. So I think he's he's going to be a guy that gives some real bad starts. Would you
1: rather Giolito or Odorizzi? Hmm.
2: Um, that's a tough call. <laughs> <laughs> I might lean Giolito.
1: Yeah, it's kind it's no, kind no. of where I'm leaning there. I think there's more. I think yeah. there's more upside there.
2: Yeah, just a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. ugly either way. You already know when you set that uh, that roster on Sunday night or Monday morning, you're going to be shaking your head like, "Oh, I don't I'm feel so good about this." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's just regardless of which one it is. Yeah, um, let's talk about. New York Yankees, they've been having injury after injury this year, but they keep getting it done out of the some of the most unusual suspects. Lately, it's Gio Yershila. I might have uh, butchered that, but he had another big eighth inning RBI single tonight that gave them the lead that they needed, that insurance run. There's a lot to like here with this kid uh, hitting 346 in a short time with two home runs. What's his fantasy viability for you? Because you'd imagine when you know someone comes back, he's out, but right now... Miguel Andujar has been shaky. The middle infield's still kind of a mess.
2: He's got playing time. Yeah, he he does. I mean, in the the expected metrics look good. I mean, his expected batting average is right where is uh, right in the mid three fifties. So I mean, it's legitimate. Um, but he's he's kind of for fantasy purposes, it just doesn't look like there's a ton of upside, especially if the playing time goes away. And I know Andujar has been DHing, so. We're playing first base. So I think, um, you know, once once Judge and Stanton come back, the DH is going to kind of not going to be an option anymore. And Andy Hart is going to have to go over to third. So I think he's going to lose his playing time. And I think just the overall profile, um, you know, he's a high line drive rate guy, low fly ball rate, uh, doesn't really have speed. So I don't know if there's a ton of upside with him. He's just kind of a plug and play right now, kind of a volume guy um, while he's getting playing time. So, you know, I grab him in deep leagues for now, but once once the big boys get healthy, I think he's he's back on the wire.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I think. I don't think he's a long term
2: fix. Uh it is interesting
1: though. Mm-hmm. If you need depth, he yeah. definitely is in play for his name, not to ignore at first. I just ignored him because I'm like, what is Gino your doing? He's twenty-seven years old and he's finally getting his breakthrough. That that's not normal for the big leagues. <laughs> it's working. It's working. Right. Yeah. Um let's go to Cincinnati. We've got a couple pitchers to talk about first. Here first we'll start with Tyler Molle, uh starting pitcher, been pitching outstanding the last couple times out. Um, he At Oakland, pitched really well the other night. Just got out-dueled by this guy named Mike Fires when he threw a new hitter. It's kind of crazy <laughs> how that works. But yeah. he's looked really, really well. And he gets the Giants this week, and so his numbers look even better most likely after that. But are we buying into Tyler Molley and what he's been doing right now?
2: Yeah, I kind of like Molly. He's actually been i I probably had him on my streamers' article three out of the last four weeks, and it's typically on the road. he's <laughs> he's actually had five road starts. All, all, his last five starts have been road starts. So um you know, as I said, Cincinnati's not a great park to pitch in, especially for home runs. Yes. but but on the road, I think he's definitely a guy I'd be pitching. Um he's got a twenty one percent k minus walk rate. Uh, and it's interesting because he's got a low swinging strike rate. But um, his called strikes plus swinging strikes is 31%, which is well above average. So he's getting guys – he's freezing guys with pitches in the zone, which is huge. Um, he's added a curveball, and he gets ground balls. So I think, you know, he's a guy that I'd definitely be streaming on the road. He's never owned more than, um, you know, 10%. And that's based on, I think, you know, fantasy pros consensus. But he's – so he's a guy that I'm always streaming. He's probably picked up in most 15-team leagues because he's been pitching well. but um, if he's on your he's he's on the wire and he's pitching on the road, I'd I'd pick him up.
1: Yeah, I like that quite a bit. Uh I've been a fan of his. Even last year he showed signs of it, but he was still kind of figuring it out this year. He definitely looks a lot better. And you mentioned the road starts, that helps a ton. His teammate Anthony Disclafani, same love. He's got six or more K's and four straight starts. His last three road starts, eight or five and two thirds, no runs at the Mets, six innings, no runs at St. Louis, six innings, one run at San Diego. Been very, very good. The home starts, not so much, but like you said, you come to expect that. What's your thoughts on Di Scalfani this year?
2: Yeah, it's kind of similar to Malle where I'm kind of streaming him on the road and maybe against weak opponents at home. Um, he has increased his swing and strike rate and K rate, um, but I'm just a little bit concerned about his walk rate going up. His first pitch strike is down. Um, and so, you know, the combination of a high walk rate um, and home runs especially in that ballpark are going to be tough um, but he does have talent and he can get strikeouts so I think he should be owned because he does have value um, you know on those road starts so you know these are guys that are going to require a little bit of maintenance uh, you're not just going to set it and forget it but um, I do think they should be owned in most leagues.
1: Yeah I'm with you I like the the point about the the, the road starts because I'm one of the Colorado pitchers there, like you mentioned so could be a lot of fun if you guys picked him up for two starts this week against the Giants uh, or the A's and the Giants in Molly's case. You're sitting really, really pretty right about now. So something to really hang your hat on. Uh, let's talk about a pitcher that's kind of struggled of late, was on fire to start the year, had like a sub-2 ERA. After back-to-back Rocky starts, Marcus Stroman's ERA is up to 2.96. X tip's still only 3.95. Not horrible, but from <laughs> what happened, you know, in his first six starts to his last two, massive differences. Are you concerned that maybe we're seeing the Stroman we've seen in recent years that really wasn't fantasy viable?
2: Yeah, I mean, I did like that he increased his slider usage because at least he was getting more strikeouts. Um, you know, he was almost unusable when he was getting, like, six and a half strikeouts per nine. Um, but So that's kind of a nice uh, addition. But, you know, I think he's still, he still just kind of pitches the contact a little bit too much. Um, He's got that fast infield in Toronto. Uh, The infield defense isn't great. So, you know, he's just kind of limited. You know, he's just not going to have a ton of upside, uh, just given the way he pitches. But, um, you know, if he can keep the ground ball right up, limit the home runs, uh, and and keep the slider going, I think he can be kind of a deep league option. Um, But again, you know, even walks have become a little bit of an issue um, he's not throwing as many first pitch strikes and his zone rates down. So I just don't love Strowman as a fantasy pitcher. Um, you know, just the way he kind of attacks hitters. So, um, I, I know it was a great start and it was nice to see an increase in his sliders, but I just don't, I don't like him going forward. Yeah. I'm with
1: you. I, I was having trouble trying to buy into it because of everything I've seen in years past. I just didn't see it there. And you mentioned the increased slider rate was great. It's kind of what we're hoping with, um, you know, McHugh and stuff like that, but, We've seen what's happened to McHugh of late. We've seen what's happened to, to, to Strowman yeah. of late. That slider's not sliding. You're pitching batting practice, and, and it's not going to end well for you. And, and Toronto's a pretty hitter-friendly environment as well. So something to keep in mind with Strowman. It's fun to watch the shimmy off the mound, but uh, that's about it. Yeah. Enjoy him. Um, not on your fantasy team. All right. Let's go, let's go to Milwaukee. The messed-up bullpen there with uh, you have Josh Hader, who's pitching outstanding. Jeremy Jeffers is back. I'd imagine he'll start getting some saves here pretty soon, but right now, Junior Garrett picked up his second save of the year the other night and he's pitching really well. Do you have any interest in Junior Garrett if you're searching for saves?
2: Yeah. uh, breakout out out of the bullpen at 34 years old. Here we go. You you never know, I guess, you know, I mean, he's, I mean, he's done well, but I kind of look at some of his numbers and he's got a 100 BABIP and a 93% left on base rate. So, um, Typically, you see that from guys that are just—you never see the hundred babbitt, but the high li- left-on-base rate is t- typically for guys who um, can really elevate the strikeout numbers. And I, he's just not a guy that that I trust. Um, I just—I don't know. I don't—he's still got a high walk rate. Um, I just—I don't trust him. I know that um, I know they got a couple of saves going forward, but he's—I don't think he's the guy. And I know that you know Hater's not going to get a hundred percent of the saves, but I, I just. I don't know if there's enough upside there to, to grab him. If you're really hurting for saves, maybe, but, but I don't think he's going to help you anywhere else.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you. got no desire to uh, go running and getting Junior Guerra. I think Jeremy Jeffers will be there soon enough, and it'll be the Jefferson Hater Show until otherwise notified. So even uh, – I believe it was last night or the night before – or it was yesterday afternoon, uh, Garrett threw the eighth inning. So he didn't even yep. throw the ninth. So. Mm-hmm. Something to keep in mind as we move forward. But it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> right. Oh, all right, let's talk about Justin Turner. A guy that's been hitting for decent average all season, and his stat cast metrics jump off the page, especially his hard hit rate and all that good stuff. But he's gone crazy. He had three home runs the other night against Atlanta, homered again last night. He's hitting three ninety one over his last 11 games, where he's hit safely in nine of those 11 games. He's crushing the baseball right now. He's looking a lot more like the Justin Turner we remember Are you buying into like this, like he's ready, he's back, we're all in on Justin Turner or are you still kind of hesitant?
2: Yeah. I, I kind of always like Justin Turner when he's healthy. He just, it's, it's health is the main issue. You're just, you know, you're getting like 125 games out of him, but he's just always been a professional hitter. And I think he's, he just kind of was unlucky. He wasn't, you know, his his stack cast metrics were fine before this, this breakout, but, um, you know, I think he was just kind of catching up is, is kind of what happened. So he's – I think he's – when he's healthy, you know, he, he elevates the ball. He hits a lot of line drives. He drives the ball. Um, he's increased his strikeout rate a little bit. But I think that's okay because we're seeing that with guys. They're kind of, you know, going for it a little bit more and kind of increasing their hard contact and barrel rates by doing that. So you're sacrificing a little bit in the strikeout rate, but you're you're kind of gaining that in power and home runs. So I don't have a problem with him doing that because it's still, like, at 13, 16%. So um, he's totally fine. As long as he's healthy, you know, he's a borderline top 50 hitter for sure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely buying in. But health is just going to be a concern going forward that you just never know.
1: Yeah, that's, that's always, like you said, the thing with the Justin Turner. You never know when that IEL stint is coming and wh- how many IL stints are coming. But while he's hitting, he's one of the best professional hitters in baseball, and he's heating up. So enjoy that while you got it. Uh, Michael Chavis he is one of the prospects that has flourished in his role six home runs already on the season hitting 293 tons and tons of power Statcast loves him um, what's your thoughts on Michael Chavis do you think uh, if he's like maybe there's a slump that he gets sent down or is he here to stay and he's here to bash
2: yeah you you mentioned the stat cast metrics he's got a 20 percent barrel rate so that's like up with the big boys so Um. yeah, it's still a small sample, but it's enough to kind of show me that the power is legit uh, with Chavis. And uh, he kind of does appear to be like a classic power bat. Um, And so I I don't know if he's necessarily going to hit for average. I know he's hitting over 300 right now, Um, but he does have uh, kind of some contact issues, some swing and miss. But he's also patient and will take some walks. A lot of fly balls, so I don't see like a 333 BABIP or anything like that that he's got. So that's going to come down. Um, He's got a little bit of a high infield fly rate or pop up rate, so that's going to hurt his uh, BABIP as well. So I just I see some uh, you know some slumps coming, but I I just hope that Boston sticks with him because I think he's got legit power and some upside. I don't want you know when Pedroia comes back and Nunez comes back that they just put him back uh, either on the bench or in the minors because I think he's better than those guys right now. So um I know has done a lot for them, but I don't know if he's, you know, I don't know if he can uh um I don't know if he can make it anymore. I think he's he's probably towards the end of the road. So I think Chavis is the guy. They gotta keep give him playing time. But I'm just concerned that they're gonna, you know, send him back down when Pedro is healthy.
1: Yeah, that that's the concern I have. I'm really curious to see how that all goes down when it when it's all said and done. But uh for now. Rock and roll and enjoy it while you can. Um, we got Chris Paddock, another youngster who's just been absolutely amazing. He stormed onto the scene in the springtime. You know, he grades great last year in the minors, but really came onto the – like he might be here this year to pitch scene. And he's been great, especially his last uh, four starts, six innings in all – six or more in all four. And his strikeout rate is through the roof, 155 ERA, 342 whip. They've come out and said that they are going to monitor his innings. I think it's like 140-ish innings is what they're going for and I might have misread that but that's what I remember what are your thoughts if you're a Chris Paddock owner do you just write it out until the innings limits up or do you try to cash in on this cash cow right now
2: yeah I think in redrafts redrafts head-to-head I'd be looking to trade Um, but as far as like Roto I'd kind of write it out because I think he's He's, I mean, 140 innings of, you know, it's not going to be sub-2 ERA, at least I don't think. Um, you know, he's going to have great strikeout numbers, great ratios. Uh, I'd ride that out for 140 innings if you can in, in Roto. But, yeah, in head-to-head leagues, um, you know, it's, he's not going to do anything for you in September. Um, I don't want to throw a ton of cold water, but, the you know, the 176 BABIP is, you know, that's going to regress. But if, if it regresses 100 points, I don't think his ERA is going to balloon to like 350 or four or anything like that. So I think he's, I think he's a guy that, that's going to give you some really solid strikeout numbers, some good ratios. Um, I do worry a little bit about a third pitch. I think his, his curveball is thrown about 10% of the time. So the more familiar uh, teams get with him, I wonder how he does the, the third time through the order. Um, but right now he's, I mean, he's untouchable. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm riding high. I'd only trade high if, if you're in head to head leagues.
1: And that's a great point with the, the, the pitch mix is he's pretty much just fastball changeup and changeup is ridiculous. It so is disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it helps quite a bit, but you know, we, we used to critique guys like Chris Archer for having two pitches and there's a few others this year that are having success with two pitches as well. So maybe it's the new modern era where it's like, you know, I'm just going to gas it up and see what you got. Then I'm going to fool you with something else. And, You know, it's old school pitching. Just disrupt the timing and not try to do it too many cute ways, I guess. But um, we'll see how it goes. Chris Paddock is must-see TV right now. Any guy that rolls in with the swag, he rolls in with the cowboy hat and everything before a game (laughs) is outstanding. So big fan of Chris Paddock. Big fan. Uh, Let's talk about another young pitcher who, you know, we saw him in the playoffs last year make his mark. He's 26 years old. So, yeah, still young. Kind of scuffled a bit to start the year. But his last three starts, one earned run in every start. It's Washington, the Mets and at the Mets. He has six or more K's and eight straight starts this season, a four two five ERA, a three three two xFIP. Brandon Woodruff has a lot of good positive regression things looking his direction, even on the stat cast metrics. But are you concerned with Brandon Woodruff? Or are you thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna buy on this guy while while he's getting good?
2: Uh I kinda like him, and I think the the Brewers don't have depth at starting pitching, so I don't know uh who else they would turn to. So I think he's got some leash there. Um, but I really like what I've seen. He's he's got um a thirty percent called strikes plus swinging strike rate. Um, you know, the one thing that's going to come down is a 385 Babip. That's certainly not gonna last. So that's why I think you see those FIPS and, and X FIPS that are so low. Um a 23% K minus walk rate is fantastic. So uh again, his park's not great, so I, I don't I don't love that for him. Uh going forward, but I think he's a guy that should be owned. I, I kind of liked him coming in. Um, I, you know, I liked him more than Corbin Burns. I thought he, he was a little bit more experienced um, and he's kind of showing it right now. So um, I'm kind of buying into Woodruff going forward, I think. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Woodruff. He looked, he dominated the nationals yesterday. Yeah.
1: I think there's good stuff there, especially when it comes to strikeouts, he's going to help himself out a lot with the swing and miss skills that he's, he's showcasing out there. So Big fan of Brandon Woodruff and seeing what we got with him going forward. Let's talk about Jack Flaherty. He really, really burst onto the scenes last year. People were hyped on him this year. It's kind of been a roller coaster ride with him. For the most part, it's full, like three earned runs or more and a lot of starts. 4-3-2 ERA right now with a 3-5-4 X-FIP. Um, not striking out a ton of guys most starts. Uh, what's your thoughts on Jack Flaherty? Are you concerned or do you think he's still got a lot left to fix and he'll be okay?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I, I kind of I threw a little bit of cold water on him before the season started because I think he was due for some regression um, because of his walk rate. Uh, he, I think he was pretty fortunate uh, in, in terms of walk rate and BABIP and those kinds of things. But um, I, his increased velo is interesting to me. Um, but I've watched him a couple of times. i watched him play the Cubs, and I've watched him another live start. And it seems like, I mean, he's just cruising. I mean, he's mowing guys down. Uh, You can see his swing and strike rate's good. So he gets swings and misses. His K rate doesn't necessarily reflect um, how good his stuff is, but he seems to lose it. It seems to be like one inning, either the second or third time around, um, you know, he gives up a hit, walks a guy, and then he's just kind of spirals from there and he can't seem to find, uh, find the plate. And I don't know if he's nibbling too much or he just loses a little bit of control. And it's it's usually just one bad inning and that's why his numbers have kind of inflated. So he seems very close to, to kind of being a dominant pitcher, but um, it just seems like every start he has just that one bad inning. So I don't know. I mean, I feel like um, I want to buy in, even though I was kind of against him a little bit coming into the season. But um, until I see him kind of be able to put together a couple of nice starts without kind of breaking down, I, I'm kind of staying away a little bit. But that's kind of, those are kind of my thoughts on him. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you because he's not looking as dominant
1: as the guy we, we remember last season. Like he's had a couple of really good starts, but the rest of the starts, like you said, he, he pitches well, He has the blow-up inning, and he's really not fooling people, it seems like at times. It's just not that guy that we expected to kind of be that ace this year, and maybe it'll turn. He's still he's super young, so he could be tipping pitches. It could be just minor things. I don't know, but he yeah. doesn't feel like he's fooling anybody. He's not living on the edge and uh, locating well, it looks like, so. We'll have to see what comes with Flaherty. But good thing is he's not going anywhere. So he'll figure it out, hopefully. Or we just keep targeting him in fantasy. So it's one or the other. Uh, Last guy I want to bring up here because he's been really quiet this year. A couple years ago, Jonathan Scope was a home run machine in Baltimore. Last year didn't do much. Free agent went to Minnesota. Pretty quiet start to the season. But now he's hit safely in all but two games since April 28th. Hit really will hit 324 over that time, two home runs, uh, three doubles, so not a ton of pop, but still waking up is the best way I'll say it with Jonathan Scope. And power comes in bunches with him, and Minnesota's a lot livelier than people think. What's your thoughts on Jonathan Scope going forward? Because he's he's available in a lot of leagues right now.
2: Yeah, Scope, I've never really been a fan of him just because of his approach. And I kind of, that's maybe just my hard headedness, but I kind of need to change like, with Javi Baez. He's obviously, yeah, oh, proving I'm, me wrong. I'm still hard-headed on that one. Don't you worry. <laughs> he's still proving me wrong, but scopes kind of in that same, he's cut from the same cloth. He's kind of just underwhelming profile because he's just so aggressive. Uh, he swings outside the zone 44% of the time. And so he makes a lot of weak contact. Uh, but because of that, his strikeout rates, you know, in check, uh, he does swing and miss a ton, but because he's just constantly swinging, uh, he does put the ball in play. Um, so he, he doesn't walk a bunch. He doesn't strike out a ton either. But he makes just makes a lot of contact. Like he's a volume guy. uh He'll make a lot of bad contact, but he'll make some good contact as well. So I think the you know given the the properties of the ball or whatever the whatever's going on with the ball this year, you know that's the last time he he had thirty two homers I think in two thousand seventeen with Baltimore. So you know given the given the way the ball is flying out, he's definitely someone who's kind of back on on the radar a little bit. Um, you know, I didn't like him coming into the season, but that was without knowing what's going on with the ball. So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of the silver lining is, is looking at it that way. He's, he's a guy that's going to put a ton of balls in play because he doesn't walk a lot and doesn't strike out a lot. So, um, you know, he, you kind of got to stick with him if, if you're going to play him because he's, he's, he's going to compile some numbers, um, but there's going to be some slumps in there. So, you know, I, I, it's he's not my type of guy cuz he doesn't have any speed either but you know I, I think for the way he's rolling right now I think you got to you got to roll with him.
1: Yeah, in deeper leagues I'd say if you're looking for power uh, I definitely would hate Jonathan Scope's like you mentioned with the ball changes, the way he's the free swinger. He's up, he's barreling it up 11% of the time right now. That's a career high. Mm-hmm. 38.5% hard contact rate second best in his career um most of the x stats they're going to show a little bit of regression but not bad you know 284 average compared to his x x batting average is 278 so what he's doing i i'm with you we've never seen him sustain stuff like this but the the the, the stats are showing that i'm not saying like sh- you know 10 team leagues maybe not even 12 team leagues but 15 team leagues i could see like a middle infield viability here or even a second base if you're hurting for injuries or something definitely a streamable option i personally i don't know what your opinion
2: is I'd rather go gamble on Jonathan Scope than Gino Urshilla, but yeah. that's just me. No, I would I would as well, yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you there because he's definitely going to get more playing time. So, yeah.
1: Uh, that'll wrap up the list of guys we have. I pulled up the two-start list, and we don't have to go super deep. This could be like yes or no type answers. Uh, I got the CBS page up here because it's just convenient the way they do it here. But just looking at some guys that um, are, are low-owned on CBS with two starts, coming up i'm not going to ask like the shelby millers of the world and stuff I'm not going there but like a guy, a guy like nick kingham for pittsburgh he's at arizona at san diego does that appeal to you at all
2: um yeah so i i do like kingham a little bit i liked him last year and he he had his ups and downs um i don't know he's probably not stretched out enough to go deep against arizona i think he only went four innings in his first start um, so quality start leagues, he's not gonna be great. Uh maybe by that San Diego start he could get, get to six innings. But um, yeah, I mean he's he's kind of a deeper league streaming option for sure. I'd say fifteen team or deeper, I would I would stream him. Yeah, I think he's definitely you know TGFBI, He's
1: worse than fab dollars. He yep. threw uh he threw over eighty pitches, so yeah, they're stretching him out. You might get four or five innings out of him against Arizona, but San Diego could be a really nice, nice one, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Um, Trent Thornton for Toronto has been very up and down this year he got beat up the other night had a couple good starts before that he's at San Francisco at the White Sox any desire to look at Trent Thornton
2: Uh, in San Francisco yeah I think uh, (laughs) I you know (laughs) you know this Uh, I think that I think I saw something the Giants are hitting like 207 with eight homers at home this year I mean about right Christian Yellich does that in a week. So, (laughs) I mean, I think he's a deep, uh, you know, he's a deep, uh, deep streamer against San Francisco. I don't, I don't think I, the White Sox, uh, they're, they're sneaky, you know, they're a little bit better than you think. They've got some, some decent bats there. I don't, I don't love that one as much.
1: And let me preface before we go on to the listeners that this is the current two-start approach that could easily change over the weekend. When uh, yeah. they, they maybe move things around. Uh, right. Freddie Peralta, they've used the opener with him this last time and he looked great. Assuming they stick with that philosophy. He pitches at Philadelphia, at Atlanta. Not the friendliest of situations.
2: What's your thoughts on Freddie Peralta? Uh, I don't know if I can trust him. <laughs> yeah, those are tough, tough, tough. opponents. I know it's on the road, but they're those are tough opponents for him. And I I just don't know. You know, I like that they're using an opener with him because he does throw fastballs like eighty percent of the time, so he can only go through the order twice at the most. But even in his uh, when he was starting, he couldn't make it through a second time. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I trust. He's obviously you know you're not getting a quality start from him if they use an opener. Um, But I'm not sure I trust him against those opponents. On the road it's tough.
1: Yeah. Um, Mike Fires coming off his no-no, where he threw 131 pitches. Usually this next start's not ideal, but he has two starts next week. He's 30% owned on CBS Leagues. He's at Seattle and at Detroit. The Detroit one stands out to me, Seattle hit and miss. Do you trust Mike Fires away from Oakland?
2: Uh, in Detroit, yeah, I would. I, I, so you said the, the first one's in Seattle, right? Is that correct? Yep, in Seattle yeah. and then at Detroit. So if you're in weekly leagues, that's a tough call. Because if it was daily, I'd be sitting him in Seattle and then definitely pitching him in Detroit. Um, because I mean, I think, yeah, historically, like you said, guys coming off of 130 pitch innings, no hitters are usually, I don't, I don't like the Seattle start, but I do like the Detroit start. Okay. There's a couple
1: more here. We don't have to talk about them, but just to bring into people's mind, uh, Danny Duffy's got two starts at home against Texas at the angels. That could be interesting off of his last start against Houston. And then Ronaldo Lopez at home against Cleveland at home against Toronto. He's been pitching pretty well. So. Two guys to keep in mind as well. But the other ones are pretty low on guys prior to that. We'll see how it kind of shakes out over the week. All right, Max, that'll wrap us up for episode 169. Before we finish it for good, I want you to let everybody know what you got going on and where they can find you.
2: Sure, you can check out my site at uh, freestats.com. I'm over at Twitter, uh, pretty active over there. So hit me up with some questions at freestats. Uh, I write a couple of articles, a two-start pitcher uh, article, and then uh, covering all the uh, starting pitcher matchups over at Pitcher List, and then write write a uh, weekly risers and fallers article over at Fantasy Pros.
1: So yep. check it out. Yep, lots of
2: great stuff there with Max
1: and Max. It's always fun talking baseball with you. Thanks for uh, joining me again for this episode of Bench with Bubba, and we like like I said last time when I was true to it, we'll do it again sometime.
2: Yeah, I appreciate you having me back on. Bubba it was a great time, so thanks again. No, thank you, everybody. This was Bench with Bubba,
1: episode one sixty nine with Max Freeze. Catch you guys later.